Just a quick heads up, The Holy Hive Show does contain adult language that may not be suitable for sensitive listeners and children. Dan, I wanted to start off this podcast by asking, uh, did we talk about horror movies for way too long in the last episode? That's a great question, but I would follow that up with another question. Is it possible to talk about horror movies for too long? That's a good point. Though when you were editing last week and you told me that you were 40 minutes into the episode and we hadn't hit the horror movies yet, I was gravely concerned. Yeah, it was was a lot for sure. Yeah, and I felt I felt it necessary just out of the gate on this episode to start with an apology to people. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Yeah, we're we're movie buffs, uh, and we talk about a bunch of different subjects. So when we get onto the topic of movies, we tend to get carried away. Um, but we're not talking about movies today, so hopefully it'll be a nice brief episode. And um, yeah, we're sorry for that. But, I mean, also, um, I mean, you know, it's been a pretty turbulent past week. You know, yeah, people probably yeah. forgot about it and then we just brought it right back into their brains and now they're just mad at us again. <laughs> yeah, we took a week off uh, because of everything that was going on with the election and stuff. But also we could just say that we took a week off because the last episode we did was enough for two weeks, really. Exactly. Um, in any case, we had the week off to recharge our batteries and we're back with another episode of the Holy Hive Show, Quarantine Edition. That's now right. doing this remotely. I'm at Burger uh, Bar. At the Bur- yeah, Dan's a burger bar. I'm at Lagoon. We're, we're staying nice and socially distant. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to Lagoon for let us, letting us use the facilities. Um, I'm Jordan Delacruz here with Dan Lawler. Remember, you can follow everything that we're doing, uh, all the topics that we're covering at our Twitter and Instagram pages, which you can find at Holy Hive Utah. Today on the show, we're going to be going uh, over the, uh, the quarantine mandates, or I guess, what, what, what would we call these mandates? So there's the mask mandate, know, but it's like a lockdown, but it's not yeah, a lockdown. It's kind of overall new regulations, I guess. Yeah, regulations, stuff like that. So we're going to be talking about that. Plus, um, because we're facing another bout of isolation, uh, we're going to roll out Holy Hive's Guide to Quarantine, where we break down tips, tactics, and ideas for surviving what we hope will be the final stretch of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, speaking of which... It's been two weeks since our last show. A lot has happened in the COVID world. So, Dan, why don't you take us uh, right into the COVID corner? All right. We are no longer a corner. I'm pretty sure I made this joke already last last time, but whatever. I'm making it again. We have gone off the rails. I mean, as Jordan just noted, we are now facing a new set of regulations that include a statewide mask mandate, uh, all extracurricular sports, uh, excluding Uh, High school football championships and intercollegiate sports have been canceled. Uh, That includes, like, some clubs as well. Uh, We've Mm -hmm. got the Utah National Guard is deployed to help with testing and contact tracing. Um, We're going to have weekly COVID tests for college students pretty soon here. And uh, Mm -hmm. then finally, there is what you just said, where you're not really supposed to socialize with anyone outside your uh, household. So, of course, yeah. churches are exempt from that, this being Utah. But, you know, yeah. that's that's pretty much the new set of regulations. Um, in terms of just kind of numbers, things have gotten quite dramatic. Uh, in the past seven days alone, we've had over 18,000 cases in the state of Utah. Uh, we've yeah. had, that's a record. We've had 53 new deaths in the past seven days, which is, again, a record. Um, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, things are things are positively uh, fucked. 
So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's if, true. If, if, like, just here's a, a good comparison. On Tuesday, October 27th, uh, Utah's total was 1,145 new cases. Um, on Tuesday, November 10th, we had 2,517 cases. So that is more so than just- double. It is shooting up. It's not ideal, you know? Um, yeah. It's Same just, with the hospital uh, occupancy. The mm-hmm. Just in like the last three to four weeks, it's like doubled. Like yeah. it's gone like, it's insane. It's the, the way that the, uh, the, the, the number of hospital beds that have been filled. And uh, kind of speaking specifically to that, the uh, uh, announcement that Governor Herbert made this week, um, how'd you feel about that? How, how all that went down on Sunday night? I thought it was a bit, a little bit too late, personally. Um, you know, yeah. he had a he had a press conference on Friday where he said he'd be announcing new things on Monday, and it's like we can't keep doing this wait a weekend and then we enact things. Like it's just very, I don't know. It's it seemed seemed very silly. I was happy to that he did it. Um, I've had to have I don't know conversations with people and ask, you know, if they're really going to abide by these things. And I'm For finding sure. kind of differing results, which is a bit deflating personally. I'm yeah. abiding by them. I shall not be seeing my girlfriend for two weeks. So, I mean, like that's yeah. not ideal, but if I can do it, I think people can do and it. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's the thing that I kind of wanted to touch on because I've seen uh, a lot of differing responses to this as well. Some say that it's like not going to be an effective, they're like the mask, mask, I mean, the same thing that you always hear, masks don't work. Um, what's what's two weeks going to do, you know, locking down everything? Um, and then on the kind of opposite side of things, it's like, well, so we're not supposed to see our families, but we can still go to restaurants and churches and stuff like that. Like, what's going on with that? Yeah. And I think I think it is I'm, – yeah, I'm glad that we're finally doing the mask mandate. It seems like this exact thing should have been the first thing that got rolled out. Oh, and absolutely. I, yeah, I think – I think if we don't see like progress in the way that we hope to see it um, after this mandate, then we're going to have to take some other measures. Like we're going to have to stop doing the in in the restaurant thing. We're not, we're going to have to stop doing uh, in-person church um, and things like that. And that's what we should have been doing now as cases have skyrocketed. And it kind of this, this kind of half-assed, like we're going to keep our foot on one base and then, you know, try to make yeah. everyone happy. It, it it just adds to the confusion. It's just like the 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 direction isn't clear still. Like I'm glad that we have the mask mandate. Like everyone has to wear a mask. I think that's gonna go a long way. I think so too. But, but yeah, and, and I and I do agree that uh we do need to find ways to pivot businesses and pivot the way that our economy works in order to um to not face an economic collapse when this happens and keep people working and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, there is part of it where you're like, okay, I'm really glad that this is happening. But then there's part of it that it's like, okay, this seems kind of half-assed. And that seems to be on like both sides of the general consensus. Yeah. I mean, at least there was so we'll, news. Yeah. There was some news this week about, about some positive news about a potential vaccine having some 90% effectiveness, which was exciting. You know, it's yeah. obviously, that gives you some hope for for next year. That next year won't be entirely lost. I mean, we do still have quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, of ground to cover in terms of making enough of it, distributing it, and you know, rolling it out yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But 
honestly, when I read the news about the the vaccine, it just kind of made me even more sad, I guess. Like, the vaccine, sure, it does seem like this year has taken 16 years, but at the same time, it's been eight months, right, since, since this yeah. really happened, and so many people died that didn't need to if we just had, if we just kind of pulled together for for eight months you know now there's a vaccine Mm -hmm. coming out i mean and not only that but like think about from now until the vaccine is distributed which by the time they finish it we still got a couple months before you're gonna get it like yeah when they say okay it's ready to go to market you're still gonna have to wait because they have to prioritize who gets it first and stuff like that how many people between now and that moment like are people how many people are gonna die and exactly because of this um one thing that, like, so, I just yeah. really was a, uh, you know, just like kind of the give me freedom bullshit, like that you and I have harped on time and time again. Um, yeah. I just was curious today when we were doing our prep, so I took a look. Um, the state of Utah currently has 187 more deaths than the entire country of South Korea. Um, wow. South Korea is uh, half the size of Utah in terms of square mm-hmm. miles and they have 48 million more people in their country. Yeah. So, I mean, that just goes to show you that whether or not you agree or disagree with whatever scientific fact is out there, there is proof in mm-hmm. the proverbial pudding that these things yeah. work in certain countries that don't yeah. have uh, superhero complexes and what have you. Yeah, exactly. Or are afraid of, you know, a government taking responsibility for, the actions of the people because the people won't take responsibility for themselves, which is exactly what we're seeing. Like a lot of people like to jump to the conclusion that, you know, it's like government overreach when, when people do like roll out a mask mandate and stuff like that. But it's like people we've seen Utah not take responsibility for themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating because we could honestly knuckle down and make Utah a really safe place to be and not worry about the rest of the country. Um, but we've got this like whole politicized hive mind and we're completely ignoring all the, uh, the, the evidence and, and basically case studies for masks and distancing and stuff like that. That's happening all over the country in countries that are opening back up now. So, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. It, uh, it's gonna, the, this, this mandates in effect till the 23rd, I believe. Yep. And then I guess we're just going to go back to Thanksgiving and do this all over again. (laughs) Not me. I'm not, I'm not, not doing Thanksgiving this year. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Um, all right. So yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm excited to, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think that it's going to squash our problem right now, but I, I do hope that we see a decline in cases just from this like two week thing. Mm -hmm. But I've also already heard of, you know, reports of people going into public places and struggling with masks and stuff like that. So, yeah, of course. Uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Let's jump into some news. Uh, this first news story uh, comes hot off the heels of the uh, 2020 election. Despite Utah being overwhelmingly red during the 2020 uh, elections, citizens are still celebrating the outcome by getting annihilated on champagne. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> the Utah Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control provided some statistics for the uh, election week showing that the purchase of champagne skyrocketed dramatically after the 2020 pre- presidential election was called in favor of Democratic nominee Joe Biden. The DABC reports that champagne sales have jumped uh, to nearly $400,000 during the week, selling over 25,000 bottles of bubbly. 
that's an increase of over 10,000 bottles from the previous two years on the same dates where champagne sales were around 15 to 16,000 bottles. It's a, it's a, November's a good year for champagne drinking, it is. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, but, um, the, the DABC had no comment as to the reason behind the surge, but users on the, uh, Salt Lake city subreddit have reported big champagne purchases and even singing and dancing in some liquor stores. That's my, that's based on my own reporting. Sometimes you hear a story and then you gotta, you gotta dig into the, the, uh, the Reddit and see what other people are thinking about it. Jordan's doing the deep dive. The deep dive. That's right. <laughs> no, yeah, but I was like going around on Reddit and people were like, yeah, I was at the liquor store. People were jumping around <laughs> dancing. I bought three <laughs> bottles. I saw a guy with two cases and it's like people are going nuts. I have some champagne already here, so no need. Yeah. Did you drink it or is you still, you still saving it? No, it's still being saved. I don't know what for, yeah. but it's being saved for something. Is champagne your, your celebratory drink? What do you, what do you like to toast and cheers with when you're, when you're feeling celebratory? I mean, I guess champagne does kind of, it just kind of does hold the mantle of, of celebratory yeah. beverage. Um, personally, I, yeah. I had a beer when I found out the news, not to betray my politics too much, but I had a little beer yeah. at 1030 AM. <laughs> that was nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you know, living life responsibly, I guess. But no, I mean, if I had to choose, I would probably go with Barks Red Cream Soda. That's that would be my my celebratory uh, beverage. <laughs> That's a different kind of like approach to celebratory because, uh, you know, I don't drink soda with sugar in it anymore. Mm-hmm. Just as an adult who's trying to like <laughs> what be are you a saying? little bit responsible. <laughs> and so, no, I mean, uh, what I'm saying is like I will drink a soda, but it doesn't need that celebratory thing. Mm, like you need to I be like, you. well, I'm treating myself. You know, it's usually just me on vacation, just not being responsible at all. Like, oh, I'm on vacation. I'm going to, I'm going to have a root beer. Um, it's weird how that happens when you're, when you're an adult. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a bourbon guy myself yeah. when it comes to celebrating. I like, I like, uh, drinking a nice bourbon because mm-hmm. I don't like drinking nice bourbon if I don't have a reason to drink it. Like I don't like getting drunk off of nice bourbon. It feels like bourbon abuse, if that makes sense. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, but you know, if I do have good bourbon on hand. Sometimes I'll make excuses to celebrate. Like I'll be like, I did good on that one task today. <laughs> Even though I missed three other tasks, I'll just drink this bourbon. Folded your um, laundry, have a bourbon. Champagne gives me, gives me headaches. If okay. I get drunk on champagne, I get, I'll get a headache. Um, can't t- have too much of it, but I, I like shooting people with corks. That's pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, good old American fun. <laughs> Um, all right, next news story. The South Jordan Chamber of Commerce is taking steps to make sure that its citizens and local businesses are connected safely as we battle pandemic unemployment. This Saturday, job seekers can uh, attend a drive-through job, job fair meant to connect candidates with local businesses who are hiring. People who wish um, can attend, uh, or sorry, people who wish to attend can expect to receive information and brochures about positions and companies that are looking for talent. In addition to the socially distant job fair, the South Jordan Chamber of Commerce has created a pledge for local businesses to sign, agreeing to practice pandemic-safe operations, the goal here being to let citizens and employees know that South Jordan is a safe place to work during the pandemic. Good job, South Jordan. Good job, South Jordan. That's some good news. When I read this, though, I did think, like, if if we get to the point where we're doing, like, drive-through job fairs and stuff like that, that's like a whole n- another uh, piece of upkeep. You know, you have to like shave and dress nice for oh, a job interview. True. You can't be driving around in that Civic that's like all beat up and like full of trash. 
Yeah, you got to go get a car wash, the, the the deluxe car wash probably. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking even like maybe you should swing down to the, the Enterprise, Enterprise Rent-A-Car and get like an Escalade. <laughs> Just, you know. Drive for, inter- the, inter- drive for the job you want. Yeah, drive for the job you want. <laughs> I'm gonna get this. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rent a Camaro so I can get this job at Teleperformance. That's right. Um, so rent a good car, <laughs> make a good impression at the uh, drive-through job fair. Um, this also got me thinking. I haven't had a job interview in a long time. I've been working at the same company for quite a while, and I was thinking about going back to job interviews um, and how much I hated them. What's the uh, What's the job interview question that you hate the most? I have a few answers. One of them is not an answer to your question, which is like the one I hate the most, but it's so notable that I thought I had to bring it up. Um, Mm -hmm. One time I was interviewing for a job and it was like my very first like quote unquote adult job. So I was Mm -hmm. incredibly nervous. I was very dressed up. Um, And I think the, (laughs) the interviewer wanted to throw me off a little bit and she just straight up asked if I've ever been constipated. And I was so thrown off that I just answered honestly and said, no way, that's not a problem for me. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> Did she look down and scribble furiously on her clipboard? <laughs> jealous. Yeah, she was just filled with jealous rage. Um, (laughs) but in terms of the ones I actually do hate, uh, I hate open-ended questions, not even open-ended questions so much as just like non-question questions. Like tell me about an experience where you disagreed with a boss and how you handled that or tell me about yourself. It's like, why don't you ask me a question and then I will give Mm -hmm. you an answer. Um, I hate those just because it's like, no one's going to look good (laughs) saying how they, how they disagreed with their boss. Yeah, and it's like you have to go digging through your memories. Like, do I even have something to fit that answer? Yeah. It's like that seems oddly specific, you know? It's like tell me about a time where you had an affair with someone who was a relative of your manager and it created an awkward work environment, but you guys got through it and continued on from there. And you're like, oh. That's a difficult start? one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I hate the uh, where do you see yourself in X amount of years question whether it's five or 10 years. Cause it's like, um, it's like, I don't, it seems like they're testing your ambition and I, there's like a, there's, it seems like there's a Goldilocks zone for hitting that ambition. Like, uh, uh, if you're like, uh, I don't know, maybe hopefully working here, steel, (laughs) they're just like, (laughs) you really want to be working here when in five years, you don't have any other thing you want to do. Or you'd be like, I hope to be on the moon. I want to be an astronaut. They're like, this guy's fucking crazy. So you just have to think of a very specific answer that doesn't, uh, doesn't oversell your ambition. Um, but I'm glad that I'm not doing job interviews anymore. I know job interviews but are hard. Yeah, yeah. They're really tough. I will um, say so. I, uh, I saw when I actually watched this story, I saw the story on the, the news, like on television. Um, mm-hmm. and the, the person they were interviewing who I think ran it was saying that it was such a success and they thought it was so easy breezy that they're just going to do it even when there is no no pandemic. So you're right about the car mm. thing that really is yeah. adding more steps for that car. Innovation That's people, right. hard times breed innovation. Okay. We don't need the government to tell us what we need to do with our businesses. It's up to us to be creative. Yeah. God All damn right. it. Okay. Next story. Uh, the end might be near for those of us used to hacking our lungs out 
or avoiding the outside world, but I'm not talking about a COVID vaccine. I'm talking about pollution, baby. Let's go. The United States Environment Protection Environmental Protection Agency uh, made a statement Tuesday congratulating Utah on meeting the federal standards for clean air for the first time in 10 years. Tom Carter, executive director of the Utah Clean Air Partnership, said that the state has worked to achieve the federal air quality standards uh, which for so long had been harmful to residents, especially those living in populated valleys. Despite the pat on the back uh, from the EPA, Utah Physicians for Environmental Health is skeptical about the success. They released a statement on Twitter saying that this con congratulations sends the wrong message. They also went on to outline their concerns about Utah's pollution problem, which include uh, wildfire and other forms of pollution that have gone up this year. The EPA's pollution standards uh, being out of date, not having been updated since 2006. Uh, projects like the inland port uh, threatening to pollute Utah's air further. And, uh, <clears throat> Utah, and the fact that air pollution has been shown to increase the effects of COVID-19 and even low levels of pollution having an effect on its residents. Uh, so where does this leave us? So we got the, the feds saying, good job, Utah. We got people that live in Utah saying, eh, I don't know. Um, do we have a false positive on Utah's, Utah's pollution problem? I guess so. I mean, are they grading on a curve? Like I, I, uh, I wish that these, this came with like some form of like statistical companion or something. So I could see what yeah. the actual statistics were that they were grading this on. Because mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, with the wildfires this year, there was like whole weeks where I didn't want to go outside because of the, the, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the API or whatever it's called. So there was weeks where I was outside all day and then I thought I had COVID. Yeah, Because exactly. <laughs> I was like hacking and it was so bad. And those are usually the months where we tend to escape the inversion. And mm -hmm. it was just so polluted this year. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I'm kind of skeptical. I'm, I'm always skeptical when it comes down. And this isn't like a big government thing. <laughs> it's just like the EPA doesn't live here. Yeah. You know? So what are they, how are they testing? I think, I think you need uh, feet on the ground to kind of really see what's going on. And it doesn't seem like they have a lot of people here doing that. It is nice that we, ha we do have, you know, the, uh, what was it called? The uh, Utah Clean Air Partnership, like people like that. So we do have locals that are focusing on this type of thing. Um, but uh, I I'm, I'm wondering if, if the, uh, what was it? The Utah Physicians for Environmental Health, if their kind of skepticism is warranted, meaning like people are going to stop worrying about pollution, which I don't necessarily think so. Like, I don't think, I think people are going to keep seeing it, you know? Yeah. I think that, I think the people that, that are worried about pollution now are going to continue to be worried about pollution because it's not as if they were mm -hmm. worried because of the government anyway. I think that they're just kind of generally uh, conscious of, of sort of emissions and stuff. Uh, and the people who didn't care before are just going to continue to not care. I mean, I don't, I yeah. really don't think it changes much. Other yeah. than it changes, I guess, the way our government is able to speak with us. I saw some real yeah. self-congratulatory self tweets from some uh, politicians. Yeah, yeah. And that's the real kind of danger is like if the, if the government starts leaning on these federal standards to guide what we're doing here, if they're like, hey, the APA says we have the best air and, you know, the tri-state area. Best air. <laughs> We've got the best air. You've never seen air so good. Um, so, yeah, I think I th I think it is kind of obnoxious that 
politicians are like, hey, look, look what we're doing. It's, you know, things. Also, the fact that it's just a COVID year, it's a pandemic year and people are just inside naturally. Of course, we're going to have lower air pollution. Yeah, I think that's been kind of uniform across the entire United States. I think there was like articles earlier this year that are like, like before all the wildfire and st- fires and stuff happened where they're like, LA has had the cleanest air it's had in decades. There's that you whole know? entire meme, nature is healing. We are the, yeah, the nature, we, yeah, we are the, the disease. Na- <laughs> yeah, nature is healing. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's true. So I think we still need to keep promoting clean air incentives and uh, city supported solutions like, you know, clean energy, transit, things like that. Um, I, I had this, I, have, I had a would you rather. I okay. like would you rathers. Um, would you rather have another year of COVID or inversion every day for a year? Oof. Probably inversion every day for a year, unfortunately. Yeah. I would love to think, just yeah. like thinking about not going to see like my family on Thanksgiving sucks way bad and I can be inside mm-hmm. and not have to deal with the air if there's inversion every, every, every day. Yeah. Also, I, I, I can just had, go to I, Park City. It's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> it would just be a lot of people leaving Salt Lake. Um, yeah. And I, I was, I was kind of in a different train of thought where I thought, you know, COVID it sucks really bad, but I think people underestimate the power of the sun and how much happiness we get from the sun and ha- just having it blotted out for a year. Uh, That's true. I think would have, have a horrible toll. And, uh, even like even if we were allowed to go to bars and stuff like that, it would be pretty depressing <laughs> day that's to day. Fair. I do think that's fair. Um, I wouldn't have any like stress dreams though. Like I mean, the, that's true. The unknown isn't as high. It's like all right, I'm gonna get respiratory problems from this, but I might. I'm probably not gonna die from those respiratory yeah, problems in the yeah, next month and a half. <laughs> there is comfort knowing that you are in fact being damaged instead of wondering <laughs> if you're being damaged. Exactly. I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so a little bit of good news. Well, just like, I thought it was a fun story. Yeah. I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, if you've always wanted to, uh, wanted an autographed picture of your favorite celebrity, you can take some inspiration from middle schoolers in West Jordan, an exercise meant to teach students about formal letter writing. Um, in, in an exercise meant to teach students about formal letter writing, West Jordan students were given a project to attempt to contact their heroes, no matter how famous they might be. And since the project began, responses have been flying in, resulting in students getting letters and gifts back from famous YouTubers, jazz players, and in one instance, a signed picture of Chris Pratt, who played Star-Lord in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. What if they... Also a really good... Sorry, what? Well, I was just curious, like, what if they got the picture of Chris Pratt from from Guardians of the Galaxy and they were like, no, 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 no. I want Fat Pratt from Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Because that's what I would do. (laughs) If I got a picture signed, then it was just Star-Lord. I'd be like, no, I want Andy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, (laughs) that's a good point. Like, what if she was just like, I'm a huge Parks and Rec fan and everything. And then like, I'm, you know. Not to take any wind out of the sails of this nice story, but it was probably a publicist who kind of arranged this, you know, that kind of set it up. Yeah. It's good that their publicists are paying attention to this type of thing because it's, you know, it's good. Uh, but that would be funny if they're like, get the Star-Lord back and they're like, I hate Guardians of the Galaxy. That That's the movie that made Chris Pratt thin. I wanted Owen I it. From, from Jurassic yeah. World. Yeah. Ungrateful <laughs> bastards. Um, I've actually... Uh, heard about this kind of practice. Uh, 
attempting to reach out to people. Mm-hmm. There's like there's like a method to it. And I can't remember who maybe it was like Tim Ferriss or something who who kind of developed this like method for reaching out to people that you assume to be unreachable. And uh, I think he challenged like a college class to do the same thing. Um, and he gave them, he like, just follow these, follow these tips, whatever. You just have to try and you can pass. And there was a lot of people that failed because they thought it was just like too crazy to do it. Yeah. But the people who did try actually had like a ton of success. Um, so it was a pretty cool practice. Um, I want to know if you could reach out to any celebrity, who would it be and why? Um, well, one time I did reach out to T-Pain cause I was drunk and I just thought that maybe he would also like to talk with me about chicken fingers. <laughs> maybe he would also be drunk. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, his response, I just said, Hey, T-Pain, T, my friend T, would you mind if we had some, some chicken fingers together? I would love that. And he just tweeted back, uh, he might have been drunk. This is his response. I brought I brought it up. I just put the fucking smack down on some chicken fingers last night. Shit was nuts. Had to call housekeeping to come get the barbecue sauce off the ceiling. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the answer. <laughs> in all yeah. seriousness, in all seriousness, I would probably write a, a letter to either like an actor or a director that I admire, maybe an author. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Olivia Coleman would be a good choice. She's just very nice. She's very funny. She seems you're, like you're she, in the midst of the, the crown season four, aren't that's you? That's exactly it. I got the crown on my mind. You know what I'm, I mean, mm-hmm. dude, it's, it's definitely there. So been pretty good. Well, it's not here yet, but it's, it's Oh, it's not Sunday, Dang. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I thought it was, oh, Sunday, Sunday. Okay. Right on. Yeah. I think for me, um, I'm I'm always interested in like the people who don't give a lot of interviews and don't like to talk to the public. So I'm like, if I could just get like one on one, I could get I, you know I could I could I could achieve something there. And so for me, it'd have to be Joel and Ethan Cohen. All right, uh, directors of Fargo, No Country for Old Men, um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, movies like that. I they don't like talking about their movies. Like they're famous for. Um, kind of being in interviews and people are like, what did this mean in your movie? And they're like, it meant that we wrote it on the page and then filmed it. Like it doesn't beyond that. It means nothing. They're kind of assholes about yeah. it, but it's kind of like their, it's like their thing. It's like, don't, don't look too much into it. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy the moment. But I feel like if I got to sit down with them, I could ask them questions about their kind of life and process that would glean more insight into their movies. Cause I am, I am the annoying guy who was like, I want to, pick this apart. Not necessarily what you meant, but where did that come from? Like, what was the inception of the idea? Um, and if I couldn't reach out to them, I'd probably reach out to Ryan Johnson so I could talk to him about the Coen brothers, you know, cause I know he's <laughs> a you too. That's your birthday buddy too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We both, uh, both have December, December 17th birthdays. That's a, That's maybe we'll just do birthday buddy ones and I'll reach out to Al Pacino. That is, is Al Pacino your birthday buddy? Yeah. He's my birthday buddy. Me that would be a great Al. experiment is like, we'll try this thing where we, we kind of try this methodology trying to reach out to famous people, but we'll only do it with people that we have the same birthday on. And maybe it'll give us that extra edge. That's right. To where they're like, you know what? Like, I, I really appreciate it. Everyone comes to my birthday party because it's lavish and expensive. And it's just nice to get a birthday card from, from Dan in Utah, you know? Exactly. Or however, <laughs> or however uh, Al Pacino talks. Oh, 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 Dan it's sent Dan. me a, Dan sent me a, a birthday <laughs> card. That's Dan really bad. Dan from Utah. 
It's my birthday. I was trying to do what okay. you're doing, but I did it really poorly. <laughs> I heard Dan's got a great ass. <laughs> All right. Um, that was the last time I'll do a Pacino impression. All right, let's move on to our feature. So, um, Herbert has done it. We have the, the mandate now. We're going to be in isola- isolation once again for at least a couple of weeks. Hope, I, I'm thinking a little bit longer mm-hmm. if, if you're taking this thing seriously. Um, so we're kind of in somewhat of a lockdown. And uh, even though Dan and I agree with the mandate measures, uh, we know that like looking down the barrel of another quarantine after everything that we've been through this year sounds really daunting and, and freaky. Uh, so this week we wanted to discuss productivity, sanity, and maybe even a little bit of fun during the lockdown. A little bit of fun. Um, so this is, yeah, a little bit of fun. This is our guide to the quarantine. So first topic, exploring new interests. Oftentimes in normal life, we get caught up in the cycles of our daily routine and it can be hard to focus on something new. Quarantine offers an interesting opportunity to explore new things while not socializing or shopping or, um, you know, spending all day in the Wendy's drive-thru like I do. So trying to find a new hobby or interest can be kind of awkward. It's kind of like saying I need to find a new friend, you know? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to go make friends. It's like, how the fuck do you do that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, There's not a book for it. No. Uh, so passions don't arise out of anywhere. You don't just like, you don't just like, oh, I'm passionate about this all of a sudden. They start with curiosity about something. So if you stop and think for a moment, you could probably identify something that you've been curious about lately, especially with how much time we spend on the internet nowadays. Like things pique your interest. Um, so just think about the, like, the last thing that you Googled or the last YouTube rabbit hole that you've gone down. And, and try, to, try to hone in on something that, you, that you're curious about and then just like dive into it, study it, read books about it. Um, another uh, option is to look at something that you already do in your everyday life that you want to get better at. So my example would be like I'm addicted to coffee. Like I love coffee. And usually in my day-to-day life, I would go to a coffee shop on the way to work. I have like a few on my route, hit the same ones get the same coffee every day. And since quarantine started, I wanted to kind of keep my coffee spending down and also get better at making coffee. So since quarantine, I've gone on like this huge deep dive uh, on how to get really good at making coffee. And that sounds boring as shit, I know, to a lot of people. But if you love coffee as much as I do, it's, it's actually really interesting. And so now I've got like, I don't even use a pot anymore. Like I have I bought like this expensive grinder so I can get the beans to the right size. And now like I use a scale every time I, me- I, I make coffee and I got to say, I make some pretty bomb ass coffee nowadays. Is it like drug coffee? That sounds like you're making drugs. Honestly, it, it, it feels like that sometimes I got like beakers and stuff like that. I, when go. I, when I drink coffee alone, I use what's called an AeroPress, which okay. is like, it uses kind of like suction and air to push water through the beans um, and yeah, it does. Yeah. It does kind of look like I'm, I'm, I'm making drugs in my kitchen, <laughs> but now, now I actually like, I like enjoy my coffee routine. I like waking up and making my coffee and kind of going through it, spending 10 minutes making coffee. Um, it's kind of meditative. Um, I so admire that. How about, yeah. How about, how about you? Is there any kind of like personal interest that you've kind of gotten into exploring or have looked into? Well, I mean, I did just, I just received uh, as a gift from my girlfriend, a Kalimba thumb 
piano type thing. I believe it's a Kalimba thumb piano. It's like oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, it makes yeah. those really nice tones. That's been really fun. I'm gonna try and write like mm-hmm. a couple of little little jaunty songs to it, you know. Um, but for the most part, and this is so much less productive than anything that you are talking about, even if you're just making coffee, <laughs> I just yeah. today got my new Xbox in the mail, the, oh, uh, the brand new Xbox. So I will be playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, um, yeah. and exploring the interests of, uh, kind of Norse, <laughs> the Norse, the Nordic people or whatever. Through a video game. Exactly. I mean, it's like pretty yeah. much like that one show on Netflix, The Last Kingdom, I think is what it's called. I watched like a season and a half of it mm-hmm. and it was just like to hold me over till Game of Thrones came back and disappointed uh-huh. everyone. Um, and the show wasn't that good, but everything about it, sh- like I was like, oh, this should be really good. And it just wasn't that great. So I'm really excited to play that game. So Norse mythology is something that you've kind of tuned into a little bit? I don't even know. Well, yes, <laughs> certainly. But I don't even think it's like mythology. I think this is straight up like Viking history. I mean, as mm-hmm. as much as history is, oh, yeah, is true. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But definitely Norse mythology as well. I did just finish, finally finish God of War on the, the PlayStation. So oh, yeah, yeah. just more Great and more game. video games. Oh, yeah. And even that, like if you are a gamer... And you never have time and you're just, you know, you stick to your regular Call of Duty, um, you know, whatever you play on, on the regular, just try something else. Try yeah. try new games. Free um, up some space. Yeah. And it's not absurd to think that we might still be in quarantine through January or at least in this kind of semi-quarantine. Um, so if you would just like kind of commit to that time frame, like I know for the next couple months I'm going to be in quarantine. So I'm going to use that time to set a course for myself in whatever I want to learn about or whatever skill I want to develop or want anything I want to explore might be new video games. Um, just, it, could, and it even could seriously be like a dumb skill, like learning how to juggle or, or, uh, play the Kalimba. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Not a dumb skill. I would say mm. that there's value in that. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those things that if you show up to a party and you're like, I'm going to play my Kalimba <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> it's better than the guy I, I that think- plays the guitar. I think you should, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. At least it's kind of like meditative and relaxing. Yeah. Um, but it would be cool if you could learn Wonderwall and the Kalimba. I probably <laughs> you could. Do, you should play. You should play it on the podcast sometime. All right, that sounds good. Um, and also, I would say just to kind of end on that note, uh, take advantage of your local library, because libraries are open again. And if you have a library card, I don't. I don't think people realize how many resources you actually get access to with a library card. So, like, uh, me and my girlfriend are both big fans of Libby, which is an app that is kind of in this library co-op. And so if you have a library card, we have cards to the Salt Lake City library, um, that system. But any, any system will work. You can connect it to Libby, and then Libby will give you access to tons of audiobooks and, uh, and like, Kindle books for free. And you just have you check them out like a library. So you look up a book that you want to read, and it might be on hold, and you might have to wait for it for a bit. But if it's open, you can just borrow it right there, and it doesn't cost any money or anything. So definitely take care, take advantage of your local library. Um, the next point I wanted to talk about in the the quarantine guide is socializing remotely. Can be together, and socializing in quarantine is something that a lot of people are kind of skeptical of. And honestly, like, it's not, it's something that I'm always fearful of. Like, I never, I, I like, I, I never liked meetings 
before, but Zoom meetings, I'm, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awful. I hate Zoom meetings. Um, yeah. And and honestly, really what it comes down to is like, who's holding the meeting and what are we here for? And if you have that locked in, you can have a really good meeting. Like us talking right now on Zoom, doing this podcast is fine because we're motivated in what we're doing and, you know, we can have a conversation. Um, but Zoom calls are often awkward and uh, it's a relatively new technology that people haven't learned to really harness yet. So, um, uh, and, and socially distant gatherings can also be kind of weird and like there's this added level of peer pressure where if you go to like a, a park to meet up with people and you're the only one wearing a mask, then you feel fucking weird. 100%. Like, that's something yeah, that I feel that, like is a big struggle for people. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I hate that. So I'm like, I would, I would almost rather just be on zoom than having that peer pressure of just like, I have to wear a mask. Uh, well, like I want to wear a mask, but no one else is wearing a mask. And then you have that, like, you know, what are they thinking? Are they thinking, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sheep. <laughs> big old <laughs> nerd. Yeah. Big old nerd. Um, so, uh, I, I believe that if you kind of just look at how we interacted before the quarantine, it's actually not that much different from what we're doing now with the exception being that we can't like physically touch each other. Um, and what I mean is like, if we're just hanging out in person, like, let's say like when we used to go to Fisher every Friday, we were all sitting around a table and stuff like that. We're kind of just shooting the shit, but we have a safety net and that safety net is our phone to where we're just like, we can look down at our phone if we're, if we don't have something to say immediately. And I think, um, with zoom or, or a video conferencing system, you, that it puts pressure to say stuff, you know, it puts pressure on you to like not have an awkward silence. Like if you're on the phone and no one talks for two minutes, it's almost unbearable. Um, so yeah, I think, I think kind of just looking at zoom calls, the reasons why people hate them one that added pressure to have something to say all the time. Um, and yeah, when we're, when we're with each other, we feel comfortable looking at our phones and, and kind of just being quiet in public, but on zoom, it feels weird if no one talks. Um, also people are kind of doing the same thing where everyone's at home, everyone's quarantining, no one has anything new to talk about. And I kind of think that this is a poor excuse. I think I, I, I'm fond of the, uh, the, the saying you're not bored, you're being boring. You know, if, um, if we're kind of letting, uh, quarantine reduce us to bedridden existences, then of course we're not going to have anything to say because we're not experiencing anything. So that's kind of our fault. So go back to uh, point one, which is explore your interests. That's right. And then you'll have, you'll have shit to talk about. I'm sure, you know, next week after Dan's gotten into Assassin's Creed, he won't shut up about Norse mythology or, uh, right. or Viking <laughs> or, or Viking history, <laughs> uh, which will be good. Um, so it's find things to, to, to explore and then engage with people about them. And then the, I think the third reason why people are kind of turned off to like the whole Zoom experience is it's, it's hard to share an experience over Zoom. Meaning when we're, when we hang out with our friends, we like to go do things together. We like to eat at restaurants. We like to go to movies or other attractions and being alone in your home on a video conference kind of kills that. But again, I think this is because we're not being creative enough and setting a context for how we want to engage with our friends. Um, we can still share uh, experiences together remotely. It just takes a little bit more organization and kind of creative planning. Um, like we, when the quarantine happened, we, again, we, we went and met with each other at Fisher every single Friday and we'd have beers and stuff. And then as soon as we went into quarantine, we all just started doing that on zoom and it was pretty fun. Like we'd hop on and 
you know, five, it'd be five people sometimes. Sometimes it'd be like 10 people, but a bunch of us were drinking and stuff. And some of us were even just finishing up our days at work and we just like throw on the zoom and kind of work and chat with friends and stuff like that. And it actually was pretty fun. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan so, too. And I think that even going, like you said, go back to point one, I mean, video games, great way to socialize with people. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody yeah. is tripping over themselves to play Among Us right now. It's a fun game where you can betray your friends yeah. and you can yeah. learn how to not socialize, I guess, because you're just going to lose all of your friends playing Among Us. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's what we did on, on, on last Friday. We all hopped on uh, Among Us. We had I think we had uh, we had 10 people, you know, yeah, full we had, lobby. well, we had even more than 10 people. We had people switching off computers and stuff. Oh, because yeah, yeah. It's too much fun. Uh, and it was a blast. It was it was tons of fun. And. Um, so yeah, if you're, if your zooms are boring, that's your fault, spice that shit up and you can do that through online games. You can play games together, um, like among us, which is free on mobile and I think like five bucks on switch or not on switch on steam. Yeah. Um, you can do watch parties for movies and TV. This is something that we haven't done, but it's something that I really want to do where it's kind of like you can be on a zoom call together and watch the movie, or you can watch the movie separately and then hop on a zoom call after and discuss, um, I mean, if 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 Game of Thrones was on TV right now, that's exactly what I'd be doing. I don't have sure. like a TV show that I'm like locked into culturally with a bunch of people, you know. Let's do it, The Mandalorian. Um, that's true. I'm actually I haven't watched any of The Mandalorian yet. Oh, are you on, are you on top of it? Yeah, I'm on top of it. It's very good stuff. Dang. Yeah, maybe I'll start that tonight. So yeah, you can do watch parties, um, and then not only that, but just like find topics to explore. It's not weird to be like, we should hop on a call and talk about this specific thing because the only way that we engage with each other, uh, politically and not even politically, but just like on certain, whatever topics are kind of in the zeitgeist currently is usually through social media and it's through tiny comments and just like, like little passive gestures and stuff like that. And I think people would find a lot of value and actually hopping on calls with people they trust and talking out shit. And it might be something that even carries over into post-COVID life where you're like, we don't have time to meet up, but we're all going to hop on a call and, and talk about this thing because we're good at it now. Um, and there's a, there's a streamer on Twitch that I really like uh, who does this thing called Spooky Saturdays. And what that is is he just has a stream. He usually plays video games on his stream, but one day a week – He'll, hop, he'll do a stream and a bunch of people show up and they just watch ghost videos and look up freaky shit on the internet. And he kind of sets the, the thing where he's like, I'm going to play video games, but as soon as it goes dark, spooky Saturday. And he's like, turn off your lights and get some nice headphones on. We're going to watch creepy shit on the internet. And I've tuned into a couple of them and they're really fucking fun. They're fun to like hang out in and watch. So you can even just go on a deep dive, you know, with your friends on the internet. Yeah. Pretty cool. Spice up your Zoom calls. Um. And then uh, it's kind of some other ideas for just socializing online. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm actually trying to figure out ways to kind of like get a farther away from like Twitter and Instagram uh, personally, just like not, not like the use of them, but like how I engage with people on them. Like it, it just seems like a poor way to engage with people. Reddit, however, I think is like a really good platform for engaging with people. Um, so I think Reddit is a social media platform that's more of a two-way street where you can find these kind of pages that are like specific to your views or not your views, but your cultural interests or even like 
community interests. Like there's a Salt Lake City subreddit, there's a Utah subreddit, Ogden, Provo, wherever. There's subreddits for that, and you can talk to people that are experiencing similar things. And you're, you can actually write out a conversation and have a message board instead of just like back and forth little comments and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. Have, have, have you been socializing with people, Dan, since since quarantine? Typically what you're laying out, video games, Zoom calls, the occasional phone call with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of the main thing. I don't particularly care for Reddit personally. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it is one of those places where you must assimilate or you get mocked and downvoted to hell. Um, yeah. Which yeah. I no, yeah. find that's... incredibly irritating. But, yeah. you know, just uh, just doing kind of the same sort of thing, you know, I mean when I'm not able to be in person, I just, just hop on a zoom call, hop on a phone call, do whatever you got to do. Just mm-hmm. get that, that face to face time as much as possible. Yeah. And even like, I, I think I found myself emailing a little bit more. Like I don't ever use email for anything but professional things, you know? And lately I'm like, I just want to send an email to someone and there's no pressure to just write back immediately. But you know, you get a, you get an email back. Um, and then you can kind of dwell on it and you can get through more things to talk about in a single email. And there's not this like pressure to text someone back or whatever. Um, it's almost like, you know, having like a pen pal, reach out to someone over email. Um, okay. So yeah, the next touch point that I want to talk about is something uh, that I just <clears throat> been referring to as cocooning, <laughs> Okay. which I, 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 I thought of that term. Um, and then I looked, I, I, I kind of looked into it and that term is actually used and associated with agoraphobia. Oh. So I, I did, but that's not, I kind of mean the opposite of it. It's like temporary agoraphobia, but you're not afraid to go out into the outside world. The idea is that you have time to yourself to improve, to, 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 to engage in self-improvement. Cause the idea of a cocoon is that you'll escape the, co- the cocoon. That's right. Well, what I mean, you, you grow you and you it. transform in a cocoon. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. So, uh, when I say cocooning, I mean taking stock of yourself as a person and uh, taking some time to identify the strengths, weaknesses, um, habits that you have, or maybe your overall identity. Um, and once you've taken stock of those things, you can make plans to pivot and change. And uh, I think it's rare for us to kind of, it's not even, not, not rare, like as in like people don't do it, but like we just don't have the time a lot of the times to like, change these types of things or look or, or spend a lot of time being introspective about, you know, the people that we want to be. Um, and I think getting away from social media, which is like other people, the influence of other people and who they are and stuff like that, kind of taking time, um, to, yeah, really take, take and like literally write it down. What are your habits? What, what are your good habits? What are your bad habits? What do you want to change about your life? And, I think it's a lot more difficult to do that when there's peer pressure, either from social media or just from social engagements. Um, so this time alone can actually be a great time to make some of those pivots. Um, so take the time you have now to cocoon, meaning staying isolated, working on yourself, and prepare to emerge from quarantine as a beautiful big butterfly. A Spanish-speaking butterfly. I know that sounds cheesy as fuck, but... <laughs> that's how, I, that's how so, I've been cocooning. I've just been learning Spanish. You know, yeah, trying to read some books. I've been doing a lot of like, I wouldn't call it meditating so much as just like do not. I mean, I guess that's what meditating is, but do nothing. Mm -hmm. Try to like just really clear the mind. I found that in in COVID specifically, um, 
there's just my anxiety climbs and climbs, especially at nighttime mm-hmm. when I'm about to go to sleep. So I just yeah. try to try to turn off, like you were saying, turn off that social media, kind of just go a little more mm-hmm. insular and uh, hope for the best. I'm glad that you brought up the meditating thing because that's something that I've been trying to do a lot. And meditating is, first of all, just like on on the surface level, sounds like hippy dippy and boring as fuck. Like it's it's just some like it sounds it's it's like a turnoff just to hear like oh we're gonna meditate you know. But I think it's because it comes with so much of this other fluff with it. Like there's transcendental meditation and there's chanting meditation and stuff like that. And like legitimately, like it's kind of all bullshit. Like really all you need to do is try to keep a clear head and not take any input for a little, just a short amount of time. And the way I do it is just focusing on my breathing and um, even just focusing on my breathing isn't enough. I need to like occupy my brain with something smaller. So I like to do uh, 15 second breaths where I inhale for five seconds, hold my breath for five seconds, and then exhale for five seconds. And if I'm just sitting with my eyes closed and I'm going, you know, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four, 1,005, and then starting over and just doing that over and over again, like my brain just empties out. And then I start to kind of, you know, get into it. And yeah, then when you come out of it, you're like clear. Yeah. And I think that's a really good thing to engage with. Um, two things, some things that I'm kind of working on uh, as far as cocooning goes. Um, I've been, uh, since, you know, since this whole quarantine happened, I've been trying to eat out a lot less. And I mean, I've kind of been forced into eating out less. Um, so cooking has been a big thing with me. And the way that I've been kind of doing that is by participating in Harmon's cooking classes. We did a second one uh, last weekend, which was awesome. Um, and those are, they're, they're, they're really great. Like you just go down to Harmon's, pick up all the ingredients and then you go home and you tune into a zoom call and you can learn how to cook. And, um, they're pretty step-by-step. So like, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to mess up as long as you have everything. Um, but you learn a new skill every time, like you can learn how to chop properly or how to make a pan sauce. Um, and so cooking is something that I've been really focused on. Um, I want to build a better wardrobe. That's something that I've been really into um, in quarantine. And I, it doesn't, I, I don't mean like I want to dress fancy. I don't want to like dress way nice or buy expensive clothes. I just want to buy the clothes that I love and kind of like we say like, oh, I have a style. My style is just whatever, you know, but like I want to identify my style on paper. Like I like this stuff, this stuff, and this stuff. But like I like stupid t-shirts. Like I, get, I like funny t-shirts and that's, it's probably something that an adult man shouldn't <laughs> love, you know, but I do. I love funny t-shirts and that's part of my wardrobe, but it's more of like defining my personal style and also figuring out how to buy clothes that fit properly. Cause I think that's probably the biggest thing in fashion is like, it, it, who cares what you wear? Just make sure it fits you. And like, you know, it, you know, or, or, or if your style is to not let it fit you, then you could do that too. But, um, so, uh, so, you know, those are some ideas for, I mean, not, not ideas, like that's what we're doing, but, um, take stock in, you know, where your life is at, the habits that you have, what you want to do to, uh, you know, change them or break them. I don't know if you have, Dan, have you ever heard of Atomic Habits? No. It's a book. I can't remember who wrote it. Um, but they talk about, it's basically a book about forming habits and breaking habits. And, you know, they say, if you want to make a new habit to whittle it down to the 
the easiest incarnation ever. So you can't like escape it. Like it's just too easy to do. So like if you want to be, get better at uh, working out or if you want to go to the gym regularly, um, you could just make a goal to go to the gym and you don't have to do anything. Just go to the gym. Just drive to the gym. And then if you do it, then you've accomplished that goal. Say you want to do it five times a week. And then eventually you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to do a little something here and a little something here. And, as, and, it's, and it's more important to be hitting the goals than to be achieving huge goals. Um, you know, so it could be just like do two push-ups a day and then move it up, move it up, move it up. But since we have, you know, an extended lockdown ahead of us, you can set a time frame. Like, I, okay, I'm going to have two months to work on this. So I'm just going to work on it. Um, um, so all in all, we can either wait for quarantine to end to engage with things that we love, or we can leave quarantine with new skills, ideas, and, you know, things to engage with. And then, uh, aside from that, those things, those are things to do inside the house, but I also wanted to talk about things to do outside of the house. How can we get out of the house and spend time outside safely? What do you, what do you do to get outside, Dan? Typically go on a walk. You know, I live in a nice neighborhood. There's some some pretty streets mm-hmm. around here. So I like to walk up and down yeah. those very tiny streets, like Lake Street, you know, where it's like oh, as yeah. wide as like one car. I love to walk. Yeah, walk almost down like alleyways. Those. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. find those so fascinating yeah. and all the houses in them are so, so cute. So mm-hmm. I just really enjoy getting out for a walk um, in the summer. You know, that kind of went down because of A, the air quality and B, I just am not a heat person. Um, yeah. But yeah, just mm-hmm. I love getting out for a walk, getting out for a, a drive, honestly. Getting out for a drive a, is fun. Yeah. But, I love a winter walk. Yes, I do like too. I, I really do. I think people people who bitch about the cold just aren't dressing properly because like you put on, you just put on the right clothes and it's way comfortable to be outside in the winter. Like I love going outside and going for a walk in a snowstorm. Like mm-hmm. it's so fun. I agree. Um, it's because yeah. everything's like cool, like illuminated in this very cool way. Like the light almost has exactly. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And uh, yeah, like you said, driving, going for drives. I love a canyon drive. Mm-hmm. I, we're, we have access to so many canyons that like I just love going up and back down a canyon. Yeah, it's so nice. And yeah, there's places that you can stop off and walk around and stuff like that. But like, do that. Do that once a week. Just identify every canyon from Logan to Spanish Fork. And once a week, drive up a different canyon just to get outside. And I promise it's going to, you're going to feel a lot better. Like, that's a, that's a fun goal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, yeah. And then you get to know, know your state a little bit better. Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of some ideas for escaping the house. Now engaging with the community. Um, I, when I looked into this, I was actually surprised at how many things are going on right now. Oh, me too. Allow you, yeah. Like, uh, you know, Dan and I being film buffs, we kind of have been, engaging with some of the, uh, I mean, they had the drive-in th- uh, theaters that they've been doing, but even aside from that, they've been doing virtual screenings. Um, the Utah Film Center and uh, Salt Lake Film Society have been doing virtual screenings, and they, they usually follow up with like a Q&A that you can do over Zoom with the, the filmmaker. So those have been really awesome, and a lot of uh, concert halls and uh, places that do music have either been putting on concerts or like symphonies online, um, which can be really awesome. Dan, have you kind of engaged with anything like that? Any yeah i do the virtual the virtual screenings like you were just saying um Mm -hmm. i was just i was looking around as as well uh just on the visit salt lake website where they got all those events posted and there's like 
virtual succulent terrarium workshops where you can build your yeah. some succulent terrariums. I saw one, uh, <laughs> which is the part that kind of discusses with historians Park City's early days when there were more than like 30 murders that happened in like the oh, early damn. days of their, yeah. That one That's really my caught my eye. Uh, like I kind of yeah. want I wish they would have sold it a bit better. It just sounds like a lecture. Like, I mean, I, yeah. not, not necessarily against a lecture, but it just reminds no. me of uh, sitting in class and not being able to pay attention. Um, lecture is a, 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 a dismal word. It is, <laughs> but it sounds yeah. like a really uh, fun, if not dismal event as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know even some colleges have been holding town halls about certain subjects. So you can just like tune into those and you don't have to participate in them. You could just watch them or you could participate in them. Um, I've seen uh, online gardening classes, um, things like that. And I know that this probably isn't something that's going to be going on in the next couple of weeks, but there have been local people that have been able to pull off socially distant things around their, the community. Like I know that there have been bike tours for concerts. Oh yeah. Um, something that, uh, SNS has been putting on, like they'll, they'll have like a tour of local bands just playing under tents and you can ride your bike around. Um, and we'll probably see a little bit more of that as the numbers go down. Obviously for the next couple of weeks, it's going to be a little rough. Um, but there's, yeah, there's tons of stuff to do. And then, um, the last point that I wanted to talk about is shopping. Um, and I guess this isn't necessarily a list of ideas of like where to shop or anything like that. Yeah. It's just like, things are tough. Let's, let's spend our money consciously while we're, you know, mm-hmm. in quarantine because, uh, people would appreciate that. So, um, obviously prioritize your needs and your current situ to your current situation. Not everyone's working like they were before, but if you can afford it, I'd recommend finding ways to support local businesses, um, that can't serve people like they used to be able to, um, get takeout locally, stop getting the Chick-fil-A, stop getting the in and out, get, go to a local place and get takeout. Um, and, uh, shop local brands, which I, I by the way, I want to do a podcast on local brands on local too. brands. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, go support businesses and, and especially support businesses who are actively trying to pivot their operations to serve people safely. Yeah, 100%. Any, any local businesses that you've been digging, Dan? I mean, nothing past just kind of what I normally have been. I still I still got to mm-hmm. go check out Brownies, Brownies, Brownies from uh, last yes. podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I really like... I have written down your Harmon's uh, cook-along from the last episode and from what you mentioned earlier. Like, mm-hmm. that sounded like uh, such a good time to me, um, Yeah, that sort of thing. But for the most part, I'm just occasionally getting some Big Daddy's pizza. I am going mm-hmm. to to the grocery store, and I'm getting some takeout. That's the that's kind of mostly what I'm doing in terms of, in terms of local mm-hmm. shopping. Yeah. And then, you know, the obvious Fisher beer. Yeah done a great job of pivoting their business and being able to still serve 100% their delicious brews. Um, so yeah, find ways to engage with your community and maybe give back a little bit, uh, during this time. And that's just gonna, you know, we're fighting depression. That's in stuff like that's going to make a difference. It's going to make you feel good. You know? Absolutely. You got to get that, that, uh, serotonin hit. Yeah. Um, so that's our, uh, guide to quarantine. That's the Holy Hive guide to quarantine. Uh, we hope Everybody is staying safe. Um, we will be, you know, obviously we're doing the podcast remote right now. Um, so we're taking precautions to, uh, you know, play along with everyone and hopefully get our numbers down. And um, we should see in a couple of weeks, hopefully, um, a change in 
trajectory. If not, then it's we really got to start fucking panicking. Yeah, like truly. <laughs> I mean, and hopefully, um, so, hopefully yeah. this uh, episode looks and sounds okay. If not, we can blame Gary yeah. Herbert because you know yeah. he's just kind of the fall guy here because because he took our freedom. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, and and this is a work in progress. So thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, if if there are problems, we'll have kinks worked out by next week, and you know, hopefully soon we'll just be back in the studio doing our thing so uh thank you for listening again you can check out all of our stuff our, our content feeds at uh twitter and instagram at holy hive utah and uh we'll be back next week see you later everybody adios <laughs>